Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 25 of The Other Six Podcast. I am your host. My name is Chad Polk, and joining me once again in the studio, the author of the new hit Harry Potter musical, Fantastic Beats and Where to Find Them, Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? Man, I didn't know I was that busy working on the Harry Potter stuff. You did a great job with it. It's uh, it's sweeping the nation. I, I, I want that paycheck. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and joining us from all the way across the table, our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you today, sir? Is this real? Like, I'm, I'm very curious right now. So. No, it's oh, not. Oh, no, no, no. That's just, why I was saying I want I was really hopeful. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm making puns because uh, I, I like to do that. I'm a dad, and so the dad jokes flow. That's yeah, that's I like Harry right. Potter. I like yeah. Harry Potter, too. Yeah, Absolutely. I didn't know how much I liked Harry Potter until I read all the books during the shutdown. Right. <laughs> 2020. Yeah, once we had time. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, good books. So, Matt, get on that project. I'll be uh, yeah, a big I, fan. I, I, yeah, if you can line that up for me, Jen, yeah, I'll do you, it. you got it, buddy. Awesome. Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, it's good to see you guys today. We had a real busy weekend. Obviously, there was a big event that happened uh, this past weekend, the Super Bowl. And for a detailed analysis, we go live to Matt Collins. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, um, my predictions were right. The Rams won. They they did. Absolutely yeah, you're two did. for two. Uh, the national championship and the true. Super Bowl. That's right. I think I really only watched it for the Doctor Strange trailer and the halftime show. Okay, and, and did you get everything you wanted? Out I, of the, all, out of, everything okay. I hoped and dreamed for happened. So we got to talk about this halftime show just a little bit because kind of, you know, what I the way I felt about it was if you ever attended a CD burning party. Uh, oh, and, yeah, that was it. And right I don't there. mean like where you would go and like burn like CD, <laughs> secular CDs or anything like that. I'm saying <laughs> no, that you, you burned ever, a CD for your friend. Yeah, that's right. You would get together at a house. For those of you who don't know, you would get together at a house from someone who had Napster and like a CD burner on their Lime computer. Wire. That's right. <laughs> Frost wire. And you would spend the night there and you would like like order pizza and you would take turns burning CDs and then uh, you had to buy the little book for your car that you mm -hmm. stuck in there and the dashboard and all that and uh, if you ever did any of those things if you ever downloaded a song on Napster you probably thought the halftime show was like the greatest thing oh, ever. Oh yeah. If you never did you may not have known who any of these people were. So I've never felt older than I do in this moment right now. Okay. <laughs> because when I look at you I don't think that I'm that much older than you but no. now I know I'm substantially older than you because I have no idea what you're talking you about. Know, you don't None. know any of the no, Napster? No. I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I never did any of those things. Did you not? No. So no. now we're seeing the difference between, no. between Generation X and, and Millennial over here. Th I guess this, that's is, a, this is, yeah, as an Xer, like, I mean, whenever Napster happened, like, that was past, like, that's, I was, in, I was adulting wow. by the time Napster started. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well. Um, I'm so thrown right now, I don't know how to respond. <laughs> But we, we skipped right over the game. Right, so, this is true. Uh, well, that's no, you I don't know who Doctor Strange is either, so I'm totally lost <laughs> right, right now. Sure, yeah. Is Doctor Strange like a, a DB that came into the game like that's later right. in a cover no, five he's, coverage? He's, he's one of the rappers. That, yeah, that, he was the guy on the sidelines helping everybody else. Oh, all right. No, 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 I'm so, kidding. Um, <laughs> no, it's, he's a superhero. He, he was there for the commercials. That oh, was. okay. Wow. I did like the commercials, too. Yeah. Okay. I liked the Be Like, Don't Be Like Larry commercial, the Larry David where he's that's right. <laughs> we don't use toilets. We go. Out, we go to the bathroom outside. That's right. <laughs> we don't no, go. Like, it's never gonna work. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, I like the QR code commercial. It was literally the most genius commercial I've ever seen. So as a marketing, <laughs> right? you know, kind of nerd. You mentioned a few weeks ago the QR codes had quite a comeback. That's right. And yeah. so I don't know how long it was on the screen. If you didn't see it, basically what they did is they took a QR code. And those old DVD screensavers, like from the from the '90s and 2000s, where it would bounce around, you waited for it to go to the right. corner, and yeah. it never would. Yeah. Uh, but they put a QR code, and I don't know how long it was—thirty seconds at least. It, it was at least thirty but seconds. But it felt like a minute. And uh, I read somewhere, and so everyone, of course, where I was at, pulled out their phone and went to the Q. It was Coinbase, not that we're sponsored by Coinbase or anything, but that's who it was. And uh, might be now. Like to be. <laughs> I, I read that in less than a minute, they had over 20 million hits on their website. That's just brilliant. What? It, it's genius. Well, okay. So my boys, you know, I'm I'm trying. We we had lots of food. You kind of a big soup. We always do a right. big party every year for right. our kids and have fun. And so I'm, you know, running around the kitchen, running around the living room, and like they all like, Dad, Dad, take a picture. And like I didn't know of what. And I look at the TV, and like they, you know, they were like making me go up there, and yeah. right. so yeah, I mean, they knew what they were doing. What, right. what a what a great marketing, you know, ploy. But no, I thought that I thought the game was a good game. Um, I, I thought there were some some calls that could have gone either way. Sure. You know, um, all that. I think that in a game like that, if you've got the better defensive line, that yeah. usually mm -hmm. prevails, and that kind of is what happened. 
So yeah, good game. I'm happy for Matthew Stafford, the Georgia Bulldog. So yeah. uh, it's just yeah. been a good year for the dogs, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sony Michelle, tailback for the dogs, uh, for the Rams. But now I thought the halftime show was interesting. I mean, you know, we could do a we could do an entire podcast giving analysis of halftime shows yeah, for the last thirty years. Sure. So yeah. Matt's like, all right, all right you know, let's that go. would be <laughs> that go. would be kind of fun. You got one of those um, pictures again? Sorry, yeah, you got it, it, buddy. So the, the the most famous story about a halftime show is I think it was the in nineteen ninety. It might have been ninety or ninety one. It was when Michael Jackson was doing the halftime show. He he. Um, they go to the halftime show and he just stood there for like 60 seconds and didn't do anything. Uh-huh. And so like people are losing their minds because the money. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> So there's like this whole thing now about how all of that has to operate, you know, um, based on, and then you've got like, are they really singing? Are they lip syncing? You know, there's right, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So Friday, uh, Morgan and I were in an antique store in Montgomery. Having okay. a blast, if I might add. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I think antique stores are pretty cool. All right. So uh, we were looking for like a table, which, you know, whatever. I'm, I, you know, so I, I gave That's my input on the table, but there's also, the, you know, like there's the the record section. Uh-huh. So they got all these records. And then there was like an old pair of snow skis. And I'm like, maybe we should get these, you know? And, and I'm just, you know, that guy wandering around the antique right. store and Morgan's. It's like, I never knew I needed a jukebox. It, it's like having a child with right. you in an antique right. store. Cause I'm like, we could use this somewhere. You know, we need a 50 foot Coca-Cola sign. We can hang in the garage, you know, so right. all that stuff. So we're kind of having fun just walking around, the kids taking all in. And it's kind of fun because you do feel like you're kind of being taken back in time. Yeah. Like when you walk through these antique stores. Until I rounded a, a, a corner, curb, whatever, and there was a license plate that said Wallace for President. And I'm like, really? Like, we're going to have that in here? Wow. Okay. So anytime you go back into the past, you can reminisce and you can go like, I wonder what that would have been like. And are those really the good old days? And then you're confronted with, oh, yeah, what was also going in the past was an immense amount of racism. Right. And segregation and Jim Crow laws. And a guy named George Wallace, who was the governor of Alabama, because he ran off of a platform where he literally said, segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. That got him elected governor of this state. Mm-hmm. He then in 1968 ran for president on that platform. That's a decade before I was born. Wow. That's not that long ago. No. Right. It's bad enough that he ran for president on that platform. It's worse when you consider he carried Georgia Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being a black person, being alive in 1968, living in one of those states? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 it kind of ruined the experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm walking around having a great time in this antique store, and then I'm like, you know, in this state with our history, I'm not so sure that license plate needs to be hanging up there. Yeah, no kidding. You know, and I was born and raised in Georgia. So, you know, don't hear me saying this is an Alabama issue. Right. You know, the, the, the town I was born in, Fitzgerald, Georgia. We moved to Kennesaw, Georgia when I was a kid. So I didn't grow up in Fitzgerald, but I was born there. My parents were born there. My grandparents were born there. My grandparents were buried there. So that's kind of, I guess, you know, it's not really my hometown. It's where I was born. My hometown, I consider Kennesaw. Fitzgerald, Georgia had segregated proms until the year 2000. You're kidding. What? So, you know, w- when you really kind of like pull back for a second and you think about like our, our country and our history and all these different kind of things... You know, I think the phrase is e pluribus unum. Is that the phrase? Out yeah. of many, one. Yeah. Mm. We're almost 250 years old as a country. I don't think we've gotten that one right yet. Right. That out of many, one. Because there's many who have kind of been left behind, set aside, ignored, segregated against. So when you talk about like our, our history as a country, it's easy to then conclude, wow, the South is terrible. Mm-hmm. Racism is such a Southern issue. Well, that narrative, unfortunately, just doesn't hold up. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr., he called Birmingham, Alabama, the most racist place in America until he went to Chicago. He issued a public apology to Birmingham and said, no, it's Chicago. So, and I'm bringing all of this up to get us to the halftime show. One of the places in America that has a really bad past when it comes to race relations is Los Angeles. Mm. People think of racism and they think of it as a Southern issue and and the Jim Crow laws of the South, but you could go do a whole analysis of race relationship, race relations in Southern California, Los Angeles specifically. You've got to address the Watts riots. You've got to address the Rodney King trial. There's this whole thing happening. There's a reason why Compton 
is a place that we recognize. Mm-hmm. Well, Compton is not that far from Beverly Hills, right? If you look at it geographically, so Dr. Dre grows up in Compton. He has there's no advantage in his life that should lead him to be someone who is like doing a halftime show, right? Okay, right. So if you if you see like what he's done in his lifetime. I think it's pretty remarkable to go from where he came from in that neighborhood to now, all these years later, the most expensive stadium that's ever been built. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's doing the halftime show in his city. Mm. Like, that's a significant moment to at least acknowledge. Whether you like the music or not, whether you think it's appropriate or not, whether you agree with the lyrics or not, you've at least got to pull back for a second and go... That sent, that felt like a, a significant thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Dr. Dre is a guy who transcended not from just being an artist to owning labels. Yeah, he owned a label. So you know, Matt knows this better than me. But the amount of musicians and the amount of employees and the amount of people mm-hmm. who literally they have a, a, a living now because he's, of what he did. Right, he's making a difference right there. Right. So. Um, if if we want to cross over, you know, I could make a really strong argument. Without Dr. Dre, there's no DC Talk, there's no Toby <clears throat> Mac, oh wow, there's uh, no yeah. Lecrae, there's there's artists now that we have who are using that style of music with the message that we would prefer. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily resonate with his message of his songs, but I understand what he did was he brought this. Um, this art form into the mainstream and opened up opportunities that we now see Christian artists who yeah. are speaking the gospel into parts of our society that otherwise would have not had that opportunity to do right, so. Right. And and Toby Mac, in my opinion, has followed Dr. Dre's trail. Toby Mac started off as an artist who now owns a label. Yep. Mm-hmm. And from Colton Dixon to all these other Christian artists yeah. that we could talk right. about who are now on his label. Well, that doesn't happen without a trailblazer like Dr. Dre to kind of, you know, pave the way. Yeah. And and so, you know, I understand that there's probably some some differing opinions on the actual content of the halftime show. And I get that. Sure. You know, whether yeah. it's appropriate, whether it's, you know, God honoring and, and we could certainly have that discussion. And I think most people would know what side of the discussion I would land on. Sure. But I think sometimes it's helpful to pull back for a second and try to look at things from a larger perspective. And I remember as a high school kid, you know, I grew up like I couldn't listen to anything but Christian music. Right. That was kind of the rule in my house. Right. But I also played basketball and football. And in all of the locker rooms I was in, like, that's what was playing. It was Dr. Yeah, Dre. It was Snoop Dogg. Yeah. It was Tupac. It was yeah. Biggie Smalls. It was all these guys. Yeah. And um, everybody I played ball with loved it. Right. And at some point, I'm like, I wonder why. <laughs> So I liked the way it sounded. I just didn't like the lyrics. And so I just started asking questions. And I had some friends who, you know, their backgrounds are different than mine. Um, Their skin color was different than mine. But they helped me understand why that music resonated uh, with a community that maybe I didn't have as much experience with. So I have an appreciation, you know, for that. Right. And, um, you know, if you're from a previous generation and you're listening to this podcast and nothing I'm saying is making any sense and you're wondering why I just didn't turn it off— um, think of Dr. Dre as like my generation's Frank Sinatra. So like Frank Sinatra says, I did it my way. Right. So you probably appreciated Frank Sinatra's music. You you respected the talent. I bet you didn't agree with what he was doing off stage. Right. right. <laughs> so uh, those stories are legendary, oh, right? Oh my gosh. So yeah. it's similar to that. Yeah. And I do think at times, you know, when you're you're walking with the Lord, you have to learn how to be in the world and not of it. Right. The thing I recognized years ago was after the Super Bowl, and I recognized this when I was a kid, because I've always loved football. Sure. But I recognized probably about the time I was in the seventh or eighth grade that when I went to school the Monday after the Super Bowl, nobody was talking about the game. They were talking about the commercials and the halftime show. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly and so right. if you want to be able to participate in the conversations that are ha- happening as a greater society, it's helpful sometimes to know, well, what are people talking about? Yeah. Right. Can you speak intelligently towards that, or are you just against it? Right. Well, that's yeah. just bad. That's right. just evil. <clears throat> well, okay, but if you want to engage people who don't know the Lord in conversation, sometimes you've got to meet them where they're at. It doesn't mean you need to go buy the music. Right. No. It doesn't even mean you have to like it. Yeah. Right. It just means if you could understand for a second, why do so many people like that? 
try to understand that reason. And then if you can communicate and understand and, and, and build a friendship with somebody's different, again, we've talked about this before on this podcast. Yeah. My motivation for everything is to lead people to the Lord. That's right. right. And I don't want to just lead people to the Lord who look like me, right? who grew up on, in a cul-de-sac in Kennesaw, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Like I, I had a pretty easy time growing up, all right? I, I want to try to lead people to the Lord whose backgrounds are different than mine. Well, it might be helpful to know a little bit about what drives them. And so I, I thought that the Super Bowl halftime show was the first halftime show we've had that opened up that hmm. conversation. That door up, yeah. I think there's been others that the performances were fine. Right. The music was fine, but I don't think they were as significant to be in that city with those artists who grew up in their neighborhood on mm-hmm. that stage. I just thought it was significant. And right. I know we got a lot to talk about from the message, but yeah. I think no, you know we're talking about culture at large in yeah. this series. Yeah. Yeah. And I rattled off a bunch of stuff you know, in our first week of what culture's like, and I don't agree with it. Right. So I don't I don't agree with the message. I don't agree with the lyrics. I don't agree with a lot of it. But there's a lot of people that that speaks to them. And if you can understand why, maybe you can ultimately find a connecting point where, right. you can well, let me tell you what speaks to me. Right, that's right. <laughs> the Lord. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you know, following <clears throat> Jesus. And so, yeah, that's all. Um, and, and then I do think maybe, you know, my my boys, uh, that style of music, it's all th- that resonates with them. So like Lecrae is probably our favorite artist. Right. Yeah. We listen to a lot of music from Lecrae. So what's been helpful for me as a dad is Lecrae in his songs. He talks about a lot of these issues. Yeah. But he does it from a biblical perspective. He does it without obscenities. He does it without inappropriate things. Right. It's been awesome. Yeah. Because yeah. when my boys ask me questions, I can we can have these conversations without all the baggage. Right. All, right. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So I thought it was Absolutely. a pretty significant thing. And I think that we're talking about parenting. We're talking to grandparents. If you want to know what your kids are listening to, if you want to know the songs and the things they're hearing about at school, right. like, there you go. Yeah. So how do you now speak into that? Are you just against it? Or do you engage it? Right. And if you engage it and you engage it with them, you'll have a voice in their life. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's ultimately kind of what we're going for. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's really wise. So interesting <clears throat> point. You mentioned uh, Wallace a second ago. Uh, when uh, after the assassination attempt, after the failed you know presidency run, some of his supporters bought him a house here in Montgomery on a road called Fitzgerald Road. And uh, they added on uh, the back, you know, handicap accessible as he was in a wheelchair. And uh, we found out... That is the house that we live in. I was about to say, I know you live on Fitzgerald That Road. is correct. So it's yep. that, that house? Yes. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah we're, we are pretty sure about it. We're pretty wow. sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Man. evidence pointing to it. So anyway, that's just a little, an interesting tidbit. We, you know, anyway. And I think, I mean, let's wow. just, let's yeah. tie it, let's tie a bow on this. Sure. Okay. There's a whole bunch of racists who Jesus has saved. That's right. So, you know, somebody can have a part of their life where they were wrong. Right. <clears throat> here's, here's what that's called. For all of us are sinners. <laughs> that's exactly you know. Right. So um, anybody that that's a part of their past, you know, we're not crucifying them because Jesus was crucified in their place. That's right. And right. he can save them too. So, you know, the worst racist, the worst whatever, like Jesus's death on the cross is sufficient for them. That's right. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we don't talk about it being wrong. Yeah. What, right. what can we learn from that? Right. Yeah. But Jesus can, can still save people. He still does it every single week that's and exactly transform right. people's hearts. And so mm-hmm. ultimately that's what we pray for with right. people. But when you have to acknowledge a systemic pattern that was in place for a significant part of our nation's history, yeah. we're yeah. still dealing with the repercussions of that. You gotta call and, it into the light. Yeah, and, and we wanna again, we wanna be a place as a community of faith here in, in Montgomery, Alabama, where we are united by by Jesus Christ from a multiple uh different backgrounds. Right. You know, and I think that's one of the testimonies of our church is that we're not a perfect church. But we've got diversity because we choose to focus on what unites us, not that's the right. things that the world tells us should divide us. That's right. right. That's exactly yeah. right. You know, speaking of, uh, you know, kids and music, I know you and I both had some children at our student weekend this past weekend, Be A Light. And uh, man, what an incredible weekend they had. I mean, how, how many kids did Justin say students like, did they have? It was close to 70, something I mean, it's like just that. incredible. 70, yeah. And so they had a great night on Friday night. They were up here playing games. Yeah. I know Saturday uh, they had a uh, service time, yeah. uh, both in West Montgomery and out at Pike road uh doing all kinds of stuff and then they had a great worship time and uh on uh i believe saturday night, saturday night yeah. and then uh, i know they they competed they amounted points my, my daughter came home with her team won the bronze plunger uh so that was the trophy that they won <laughs> i was wondering what those were doing bro she's so excited about it i mean she's like dad we won the bronze plunger. i'm like that's great what what is that you know yeah, they I weren't hope, used right i hope not <laughs> I, i'm really proud of our students um you know we this whole be a light you know we talked about jerusalem judea samaria ends yeah. of the earth 
So part of that was we want to be a light in East Montgomery and Pike Road w- with no strings attached. That's right. So we've got half of them on Saturday. They're out at the at Pike Road Elementary. Mm-hmm. They worked. Yeah. Morgan was out there with that crew. So she uh, was one of the adults who was there with them. So she saw firsthand. I mean, they put out straw. They put out mulch. They, I mean, they worked really, yeah. really hard. And then the other gang went to uh, Mercy House in West Montgomery. Sure. Which is one of our partners in yeah. the BLI. So literally two of the initiatives in, in this offering, our students were on the ground all day Saturday serving. And um, what's pretty cool about that is you don't get – Two places more different than Pike Road Elementary and where Mercy House is That's located right. in yeah. West Montgomery. Probably most of the kids that were down there on Saturday had never been to that part of town. And, you know, there are there are houses on that road, because I've been down there and spent time with Pastor Ken Austin, that they don't have running water. Mm-hmm. Man. It, it, it is in some ways like going to a developing nation, and it's right here in our own city. So we're not called to just be a light right here in the immediate vicinity of Vaughn Forest Church. We really feel like that, that Jesus has placed this church here to be a light to our entire city. Right. And um, to see our teenagers doing that was pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. And Justin told us yesterday <clears throat> that you know some of our students, well, our, our students who were down there uh, at Mercy House met up with some of the teenagers that live there in that neighborhood. They're going to start going down there for a Bible study. That's awesome. So, you know, these these weekends have a significant impact in real time, but then the fruit from those weekends uh, goes on and on and on. So, you know, back in the day, Chad and Matt, when we were growing up, you know, if you wanted to get a bunch of teenagers to a church, you know, give them free pizza, let them play kickball. That's right. Dodgeball. And, um, dodgeball. You know, <laughs> yeah, we can't, it's, that's outlawed now. It's too dangerous. <laughs> they they but, took um, the rubber balls oh, yeah, away. It's like you can, the you can throw like a, a, a little squishy thing yeah, at somebody. Yeah. No. But now it's um, give them opportunities to serve. Yeah, these kids want to make an impact with their lives. That's so great. So, um, you know, they they show up, they work hard, they make a difference, they understand what it means to be a light, and then they still have some fun. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what a great weekend! I'm super proud of our students. Um, you know, I know Lena was there, and and Sam was there, and and the older kids were there, and they did such a great job. So, yeah. awesome weekend! Really proud yeah. of them. I know I'm sure Justin's exhausted. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, grateful for his leadership well, he, as well. He had that, and then he had his son's birthday, and then also had <laughs> Valentine's had- Day. So yeah. <laughs> He's, he's probably in a coma somewhere. Yeah. He's been serving. Katie, we're sorry. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> She's like, I kind of got the shaft on Valentine's Day. So right. something. Now maybe he did great. I haven't asked. No, but, uh, I'm sure he, well, I'm sure he did. He, he managed it all. That's yeah, right. Yeah, we're we're super proud good job, of Justin. Justin. He does a great job. Justin's weekend. That's right. And then, uh, that's right. And then uh, Sunday, I want to talk a little bit about Discover Vaughn Forest because we had an incredible time at Discover Vaughn Forest. If you're listening and you don't know what that is, uh, Discover Vaughn Forest takes place. Uh, about once every month, month and a half or so. Yeah, four to six weeks. Yeah, and we uh, we just invite folks that are new to Vaughn Forest to come and kind of learn a little bit about where we've been, where we're going. Uh, it's for families. There's free food. Uh, and so we had a bunch of new yeah. folks come and check that out. Yeah, I was really yeah. impressed. How many families do we have? Like seven four, or eight, I think? I thought it was four or five. I don't know. That was, I mean, yeah, P- it was a PJ yeah. manages. I, yeah, just we, sit, <laughs> I just sit up there and talk. Right. You know? right. I don't know how many. There was a lot of people in There's the room. Lot. There was. That's yeah. what we were so right. we talked about diversity earlier when it comes to like our ethnic backgrounds. The other thing that's fun about our church is the diversity when it comes to generations. Yeah, And we right. saw that at Discover Von Forest, that we had literally every generation that we minister as a minister to as a church represented in that room. Right. right. Which is really cool to see. Yeah. Right. You know, if if we and, and and here's what's fun about that, in the middle of a parenting series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, somebody would go, Well, you should you probably only have people who are parents coming to your church right now. I was like, no, we yeah. have people from all different generations Crazy. coming. Yeah. And uh it is fun to uh, be in there and um and really, you know, if you're new to Vaughn Forest on a Sunday the three of us, you know, you get stuck with us. You know? <laughs> We're sorry. And then, unfortunately, you're stuck with the same three of us in this podcast, you right. know. But we've got a really uh, great team of people yeah. here that make this place go. That's right. So part of what makes Discover Vaughn Forest uh, really good is you get to hear from them. Right. Yeah. Each person on our staff shares, and um, they do such a fantastic job. And uh, one of the things we've talked about on this podcast is, you know, we're what are we? Twenty five episodes in. Yeah, so we can so we can 25. rent a car now. So that's right. Rent a car. So, uh, our entrance goes down. You know, yeah, all the, all the fun things. <laughs> so um, over the next twenty five episodes, you know, we're going to explore some different you know formats with this, but we're going to try to incorporate you know more folks from our team that's into right. this as well. Um, so that you don't have to just come to discover Vaughn Forest. You know, yeah. you feel like you kind of get to know them as well. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. But it was good. A good time. 
Well, it was a great weekend, and obviously we continued in our message series. It's not just a phase, talking about parenting in a post-pandemic world. And, and we talked about marriage uh, this past week, which I know... Marriage. Marriage. I'm sorry. Is I, what I just, brings us together. Yeah, I can't help it. That's I've right. always marriage. wanted to do that in a sermon. Right. I don't, I'm not bold enough to do a sermon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you should have. You would have heard me laughing. <laughs> I, I've only done, I think, one or two weddings, and I've always wanted to do the love. Yeah. True love. That's not happening. You've only done one. We got to get you doing more weddings. It's really fun to officiate a wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love officiating yeah, weddings. I, I have a buddy. Uh, never mind. I'm not gonna tell you. Oh, yeah, anyway, all right. get get into the. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but we we talked about we talked about marriage. Squirrel. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. This past week, which you know, some folks might think is odd in a parenting series, but you did a great job, kind of explaining how you know to be good parents, it starts with a good marriage, and uh, and so I kind of want to just kick this off by talking about why do you think our marriages are under such attack, and do you think it's worse now post or you know, during pandemic than it was pre-pandemic. What What are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, yeah, much worse. Never been difficult. Never been more difficult. Um, and you know, the whole idea. You know, I could have saved everybody some time with a sermon if the parents are okay, the kids are okay. Well, there you go. Let's pray and go home. That's you know, the now, point. Yeah. now, how do you actually make it okay? Right. So here's why it's harder than ever before. Here's why it's worse than it's ever been before. Um, most of that, in my opinion, has really come about in the last 10 to 15 years from the development of social media. So I was telling somebody the other day, uh, Morgan and I, you know, we met, we started dating and we got engaged and we got married before Facebook, before Twitter, before YouTube, before, like, that's how old I am. You know, none of those things existed. Okay. <laughs> do the burning party. So, like uh, that's right. MySpace, name it. None of those things existed. Okay. So we've seen all of those things come about and our married life. Right. And so we, we've we kind of been in tune to then what happens. And, and, and the biggest thing that happens um, is married couples compare their marriage to other married couples. Right. And, um, you know, somebody's posted their, you know, vacation photo album. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation. There's nothing wrong with posting photos from the album. Sure. <laughs> but if you can't watch, if you can't see somebody's vacation without getting bitter or mad that you didn't get on that vacation, right. like you might need to take a break for a little right. while, okay? Right, right, So um, the other thing that's been really unfortunate is social media has been a mechanism that a lot of people have reconnected with somebody they dated in the past. Hmm. So, you know, back in the day, like if you broke up with somebody in high school or you broke up with somebody in college and then you eventually met, met the person you married, like you stayed married to that person and like hoped you didn't run into the other person at Applebee's or something like that, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, those days are over. You know, now it, it's like you get to have an up-close and personal uh, view of their entire life. Hmm. And for a lot of uh, people in a marriage— they let the enemy get into their marriage through their thought life because they begin to think things like, well, maybe I married the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should have married him. Maybe I should have married her. Look at how great their life is. That right. was the person, that was my first love. I, I, I made a mistake. Right. And so all of that was going on pre-COVID. Right. Well, now let everybody stay home for four months. And sit on that. And yeah. drink too much and yeah. eat too much and binge watch too much and be completely freaked out. Oh, by the way, their kids are in the other room doing school. Okay. Do I need to say anything else? Right, that's right. Okay. So one of the one of the things that caused a lot of people stress during the shutdown is they couldn't have their affairs anymore. So, you know, you got married people who are having affairs and now all of a sudden they can't have the affair anymore, and that's creating anxiety and stress in their life. This is how dysfunctional our society is right wow. now when it comes to marriage. The idea that like a man and a woman can love each other selflessly for a lifetime, I mean, most people think that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um most people think that you get one free pass in marriage. So, you know, meaning you marry the wrong person. So get it right the second marriage. Wow. You know, that's what I mean by the free pass. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, most people, it doesn't usually work out with the first person you marry. It's okay. It should work out with the second person you marry. M most people who get married now, statistically speaking, in their 20s, that marriage does not last. It's the, mar it's the second marriage that maybe has a chance. So it, it, when I say our marriages are under attack, mm -hmm. now here's where things have really gotten interesting. All the things I just described are also going on inside the church. Right. Mm -hmm. So it used to be, well, that's how things are in the world. You know, well, it's no you know, different. Yeah, we have yeah. to be really careful mm -hmm. as pastors because people share things with us in confidence sure. and all that. But, you know, marriages are also in trouble in our churches. Right. And um, I said this a few weeks ago. From Jason, my brother-in-law, you know, he's mentioned this before. If everything I just says bothers you, 
um, there might be a challenge you need to take before the Lord. Hopefully, everything I said it it makes you feel broken. Right. It doesn't yeah. make you feel bothered. Right. Um, those things break my heart. Mm. So, what are we trying to do as a church? Not say we've got it all right. You know, start acting like us. Sure. Um, no, we're not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is, if you build a healthy boundary around your marriage that keeps all of the things I just described out, right? it's still hard. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't built the healthy boundary to keep all of those things out, I don't know if you have a chance. Right. That's how much our marriages are <clears throat> under attack these days. And, um, you know, I finished teaching the second service on Sunday and I come out in the lob- lobby and I'm, a gentleman in our church comes up to me and he says, you know, appreciate what you said today. That was really good. And I said, I appreciate you. I said, just curious, how many years you've been married? And he said, next month will be 59 years. Wow. wow. And I said, well, next time we do a marriage message, you're up. <laughs> I said, you're teaching next right? time. And he right. laughed and we had a good conversation. And so, you know, I've been married 19 years. So these are the things the Lord has shown me so far. But I, I think that seeing the challenges is probably something that, again, my generation might be a little bit more in tune with because all of these things came about while we were married. Right. You know, They didn't exist when Morgan and I got married. They've all grown since we've been married. So we've had to put healthy boundaries in place sure. you know, in our marriage mm-hmm. because we just know that you know, anything that the enemy can use, he will. Right. Yeah. You know? So that, you just have to be yeah. aware of it. And so I think that the last two years has accelerated some things. I think it's made some things worse. But then I'd, I'd say that for some married couples, the last two years has been a blessing. Maybe it took that for them to get honest about what was really going on in That's the right. marriage. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, the goal was to speak to marriages that are hurting, marriages that need some help. But um, certainly, I'm sure there's some married couples that would go, man, the last two years, the Lord's really did some good things. And right. So we, we celebrate that as well. That's yeah. right. You know, going back to what you were just talking about, you know, how, you know, it used to be in the church was one way and the world was a different way. Now it's, it's the same in both. I think there's a tendency, especially in the church, to feel like you have to present a good front, a good face. You have to cover up yeah, what's actually happening. Yeah, you got to have happened. it all put together. That's exactly right. Yeah. Whereas in the world, folks, you know, don't no, really don't care, care to that. hide that up. And so, you know, my encouragement would be, you know, you talked about the the Christian counseling that we're offering now for free. Yeah. You know, if you're going through that, man, <clears throat> contact us about that. You know, talk to a friend. Come talk to a pastor. You know, there's no reason to hide that stuff. We're, we're no. here. You know, folks are here to help, and, and the church is here to help, and and to to be, you know, there for you in your life when you're walking through these uh, times. Yeah, one of the yeah. messages of the church is it's okay if you're not okay. That's right. It's just not okay to stay there. That's right. Because mm-hmm. um, if you stay there, it's going to destroy your life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so and and the Lord is how you keep from staying there. Right. Not a bunch of church people. Right. You know, we're all trying to walk with the Lord daily as well. Um, and, and the Lord loves us the same, whether we get off the path or not. But what the longer we walk with the Lord, what we realize is all the things he tells us to do in his word are for our good. Right. That if we will obey, it's actually for our protection. Right. You yeah. know, it's not to keep us from experiencing things. It, it's to keep us, it's not to keep us from experiencing good things. It's to keep us from experiencing bad things. Right. Yeah. You know, so that, that, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more like what God's word says starts to make sense. Cause you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's destruction. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that's a, a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about these four boxes, man. You mentioned them before. I think it was in August. Yeah, right? August 21st when we did the interview, the foxes yeah, yeah. that attack marriage. Yeah, so the first one is the fox of finance. Um, I want to break it up into two things. How does it attack our marriage, and then how do we protect against that? Everybody wants to live on more than they have. Right. You yeah. know, because there's things that we think we need that we don't really need. Yeah, it goes it's back a, to the Instagram stuff. Yeah, it's a universal challenge, you yeah. know. Um, a fun example to do in a life group, I've done this a number of times with, with couples over the years, is, you know, think back to this time 10 years ago, what was going on in your life. And, you know, what income was happening in your life. Maybe you had an hourly job, maybe you worked at a gas station, maybe yeah. you were still in college. Maybe you'd already started your career wherever you sure. were. Mm-hmm. And then think about where you are right now. Like, is there, and I don't make them say this out loud. Like, now, is there a difference in the money? Now, if you could go back to yourself 10 years ago and say, 10 years from now, you'll be making this, would you have thought that would have been enough? Hmm. And almost inevitably, they always go, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I go, was it enough? And it's like, well, no. So, you know, what happens is you get into this perpetual, like, yeah. I've got to have more, I've got to have more, I've got to yeah. have more. And, um, you know, we don't have time to go into all this in the message, but one of the shifts that's happened in our culture 
is the availability of credit. Mm. Right. So yeah. it used to be really hard to get a credit card. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the case. So um, my boys can't believe that credit cards are legal. Oh, yeah. They, they just can't believe it. So, People like, that way, man. I explain it to them, and they're just like, that just sounds so unfair. And I'm like, yeah, I, I hear you. And, and so that's what happens yeah. is – even if you don't have the money, it, that doesn't keep you from making the purchase. Right. Can I yeah. tell you how I got my first credit card? They came to college when I was a freshman and offered me a free Papa John's pizza if I signed up for their credit card. And you're like, hey, oh yeah, yeah. Man, I got that pizza. It was delicious. <laughs> Want the pizza? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, and so that it just you, you wake up one day and you're like, oh wow, we've got forty thousand dollars of you That's know right. credit card yeah. debt. You know we. So yeah, it, it it just takes two people being on the same page with money. Um. And if they can't get on the same page, you've got to bring in a counselor to help them get on the same page. Yeah. Right. Um, because it's not that you need more money. That's the lie. The lie is if we just made more money, we'd be content. No. Right. Yeah. If you can't be content with where you are right now, more money won't solve that. Right. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's not an easy one. Um, but for some couples, they get it right. Yeah. And um, with a little authenticity and humility, it sometimes... You may, God may bring one of those couples into your life. I mean, you don't have to open up all your financial stuff to them, but like there may be a couple that's like, that's really not our fox. Yeah. Right. And you're like, how? How? <laughs> and they may be able to kind of show you. Yeah. And I think that's just helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So your second fox, you talked about the, uh, the fox of faith and how that can be difficult for some folks. And one of the things you recommended was for couples, you know, to pray together. But I think that. Uh, sometimes that can be tough. So what are some tips maybe that you have for couples to begin that and continue that time of praying together? So if you're in a marriage with somebody who is not walking with the Lord to the extent that you wish they were, faith is not as important to them as you wish it was. Sure. The best advice I could give you is to go ahead and start treating them as if that were the case. Right. The longer you hold that over their head and the longer you try to manipulate them into being what you want them to be, that's just going to demotivate them. Mm -hmm. So just go ahead and treat them as if they're already acting that way. And um, I've seen a number of times over the years where like a wife would do that with her husband. Like she quit nagging him to go to church on Sunday and just went ahead and started treating him like he was a God-honoring man and he felt respected. And now he became a little less defensive towards these church invites. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with a guy who's, you know, he's got a wife and um, she has, no, I mean, I, <clears throat> I could give you a story of a couple I, I know really well. <clears throat> he came to faith in the Lord and she didn't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, she she was a singer. Like, so she's like really good singer. So she's oh, wow. going and doing these shows and he's going and um, just praying the whole time she's up there singing and she's not singing about the Lord. And this went on for a while, and eventually she gave her life to the Lord, and now she's a worship leader at a church. Well, that's awesome. You know, so there, there are plenty of stories where the spouse who was walking with the Lord prayed their spouse into that place, right? Um, treated them with kindness and love and respect until that came. Mm. But if you try to like talk them into it in, in negative ways, yeah. it's yeah. probably going to backfire, and that's a hard one. But I think it's probably the only option you have if you want it to really get to a place where it's fruitful. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the fox of family. Um, he talked about this and uh, it being probably one of the more difficult ones uh, because it's people you care about. Um, the list, you know, of things that you struggle with was, um, you know, making decisions based on how your parents feel, uh, feeling like your spouse aligns with your parents and not you. Uh, and then being drugged back into family drama. Um, so, how do we protect against those? Like that's a that's a tough one. Man. All at once. All at once. <laughs> Who's going to give the first example about their in laws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I was kind of waiting so for it you was guys. Just one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I've. I mean, I feel really blessed. Yeah. My in laws are amazing. My, yeah. And this, Agreed. thankfully for us, has never been a fox. Yeah. Because we. It just hasn't. Yeah. So, um, but man, oh man, <laughs> have I talked to some people over the years that it has been. Yeah. And it is the most challenging one because it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. And it can sound mean-spirited. Right. You know, it's because it's your parents. Yeah. And then sometimes you get parents who like to quote verses out of context. We're like, doesn't the Bible say children obey the Lord? Right. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, well, the key word in that verse it's is children, children. You know, now conversely, like I've had to tell couples before. You know, your parents are still sending you money every month. 
So like until you can figure out how to live on your own, <laughs> you still like, a kiddo, man. When you get that money, you also get their input in yeah, your right, life. Right, you know, yeah. they they want the money, but they don't. It's like they're oh, paying that's for the dysfunctional. Input. That's yeah, right. So that's right. there's so many things. You know, clear boundaries. Yeah. Um, the big thing is that the the only two people who have to be on the same page are the two people in the marriage. Mm. Right. So you just need to get on the same page with your spouse and be honest. Yeah. And when your spouse is honest with you, man, I'm going to upset somebody here. When your spouse is honest with you, don't be the spouse who then says, well, you're hurting my feelings. Don't turn it around and make it about you. Right. Mm -hmm. That's manipulative. It's dysfunctional and it's unhealthy. So ladies, if your husband gets to a place where he honestly expresses something to you and he doesn't yell, he doesn't curse, he's not being harsh, he just says, this bothers me. Don't flip it and make it about you now and act like he's hurting your feelings. Don't you want him to be honest with you? Sure. Mm. Like this is, so if he does, listen to him. It might sting a little bit. You can say like, okay, I heard what you said. Would you mind giving me, you know, a a little while to just kind of process that? I'd love for us to talk about that in a way where maybe we can find something that works for us. You don't have to respond in real time. You know, same thing with you guys. Like if your wife comes to you and she says something that's bothering you, like don't storm out of the room. Like don't slam a door. Like don't be a punk. Don't be mean. Don't be a jerk. Don't, don't, don't be rude. Like listen. And if it makes you mad, go, okay, I hear you. I'm glad you told me that. I don't like anything you just said. So can you give me a few minutes? Like, I don't want to respond out of frustration because yeah. I'm grateful that you're being honest with me right now. Mm-hmm. Right. I've said that to Morgan before. Oh, wow. Now, I've said that to her before because a marriage counselor told me, next time she said, this is how you respond. Because <laughs> I had responded the wrong way before. Yeah, I'm reading like, it off of the I card. don't like what you just said, but I can appreciate the fact that you're honest with me. Yeah. I need a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. Yeah. So, you know, it takes that level of honesty in a marriage. You know, a spouse should never have to apologize for being completely honest with their spouse. Marriage is about being open. If you feel like you can't be open with your spouse because of how he or she might react, you need to go sit down with a marriage counselor. Mm-hmm. There's some manipulation going on in that marriage, and it's not healthy. Right. And, and you may not notice it right now, but all I hear is a fox. Mm-hmm gnawing at those roots. So you should be able to express yourself. So again, when it comes to your extended family, you've got to have a biblical foundation to guide this. Mm. Leave and cleave to become one. The only unique relationship I have in this world is with my wife, Morgan. That's not my definition. That's God's definition. Mm. So Morgan is my family. Two have become one. My mom and dad are no longer my family. Her mom and dad are no longer her family. They are our extended family. Mm. We show them incredible kindness and respect and love. But it is conditional. If something were to happen and that relationship changed because of something that one of them did, I wouldn't feel any guilt over that. Right. Um, If something were to happen and it violated some principle or some values that we've built in our family, you know, I would hate to have to go down that road, but, you know, my boys get married one day, like, I'm not their family anymore. Right. God says they're leaving my house. My job is to raise them so they'll leave. Yeah. Mm. Biblically right. speaking. That's right. That's absolutely oh, right. I want them to stay as long as they want. <laughs> well, I love them. But if that's if that motivation drives me in parenting, I'm going to raise some unhealthy men. That's right. Yeah. So my job is to raise them where they will leave and they will serve their godly wives the way Jesus serves the church. Right. Mm-hmm. And they will have their own household and they will have their own family. And it's my responsibility then in that season of life to serve them however they see fit. That's right. You mm-hmm. know, not to tell them mm-hmm. where they're supposed to eat on Thanksgiving Day. That's right. You know, so <laughs> there's just got to be some healthy boundaries there um, where you communicate those. And, you know, the thing that I would tell, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, you make it sound so easy, man. If you knew, I'm like, here's what I would tell you. Like, love usually prevails. Like, you know, if you tell somebody in your extended family, like, we're not going to make it or we're going to do something different this year, I'm not saying they're going to be happy. They might get upset and they'll come around because they love you. That's right. And love prevails and they'll get over it and they'll be fine. And COVID kind of did a little bit of that. Yeah. So, you know, people who thought we could never not do this on Easter Sunday— I bet you didn't do it on Easter 2020. That's right. So, you know, th- there there were some things that had been built in that some people were like, man, we can't wait to get back to that. 
and, and that's fine. Other people were like, why were we ever doing that to begin with? No one enjoyed it. Right. And so I think there has been a little bit of that where people recognize maybe there's some things I can do differently and, and stuff like that. But, you know, that little action step I think is really helpful for couples. Um, just don't make a commitment. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, if my parents call me and say like, hey, you know, we're seeing if blah, blah, blah. Like they know I'm going to say like, hey, thank you so much. Like, let me check with Morgan. Let me make sure we don't have anything going on. Um, and they're like, yeah, no problem. Like it's right. not even, they know that's what we're going to do. And right. Morgan's parents know that's what she's going to do. That's right. And, and they, they're fine with that because they know we're busy. And it, it's not an issue. But, you know, I think that sometimes it's just easier to go, oh, yeah, that's not going to be a problem at all. And just commit. Right. But you just never know, like, if your spouse might have already, like, committed to something else or, like, you yeah. know, maybe they just wanted to spend a night at home and That's they right. were tired, you know? Yeah. So it's just little things that become big things. <laughs> right. So if you can address it when it's a little thing and keep it from becoming a big thing— I think that's a helpful thing. So that's kind of what we're going for. We're not trying to be mean-spirited. We're not trying to be jerks. We're just trying to love people well. And it's hard to love people well if you haven't built some really healthy boundaries. That's right. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, you know, the last Fox was on communication. You touched on this a little bit with what you just said. Um, You know, this is one of the ones, like, that I've struggled with, communication. Like, you know, this is what I said. Well, that may not be what they heard, you know. And, Mm. you know, and so— how do you, and this is my biggest question, how do you communicate clearly when you're spe- with your spouse when you're so frustrated or when you're angry or when they're not, you don't feel like they're communicating in the right way? In that heat of that moment, how do you communicate clearly? Um, <laughs> I think you do what he says. Just so <laughs> you, you don't match. Okay, so I'm going to give you some rules. Sure. <clears throat> that I've learned over the years in marriage counseling, okay? <laughs> the first rule is you don't match emotions. Okay. So there are going to be times where your spouse gets really upset, frustrated, angry, mad, hurt, whatever the emotion may be. When your spouse begins to communicate that emotion, you don't respond to that emotion. Okay. So let's just, you know, for example, we'll use you. So like, let's say, you know, Chad is really angry and he expresses anger. You know, Christy's natural tendency is going to be to match your anger with her anger. Right. Well, the moment that happens, there's really no hope for the rest of that conversation right. going right. well. Yeah. yeah. So, but we all have that tendency to be like, really? Like, you, we're going to do this now? Okay, my turn. Right. If, if the other spouse says part of, and this is so hard, but when I started applying the one another passages to my marriage in the New Testament and changed my marriage, one of those passages says, make allowances for one another's grievances and faults. Make an allowance. Wow. Okay. Okay. So she's angry. I'm going to make an allowance. I'm going to allow for that right now. Hmm. I'm not going to respond to that anger. I'm actually going to allow for that. I'm going to be okay with that. I'm hmm. going to absorb that for wow. a second. Okay. Because it seems like my spouse is really angry <laughs> and I'm going to make an allowance for that. And there's a good chance I probably contributed to that anger. Right. You know? <laughs> right. So when, when that happens, like if the other spouse can remain calm, and not respond with the emotion, but actually try to understand why, where is this emotion coming from right now? Um, whether it's anger, whether it's hurt, whether it's frustration, whether it's, you know, let's say they're attacking you. Like everything in you wants to defend yourself. What I'm saying is make an allowance for their grievance. Now, there are, there are be- lines that can be crossed. They, they, they become violent. They become abusive. Th- that's a whole different conversation. Sure, 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 okay? sure. Yeah. So I- I'm just talking about just in the um, – and if you, can, if you can do that, the conversation has a chance of moving in a healthy direction. Right. This is a really terrible correlation, but I'm going to use it anyway. All right. So for years, Nordstrom's would chain, train their employees. I don't really know the state of Nordstrom's today, but so this would have been like the <laughs> 80s and the 90s, uh, I guess, when people still went to big box stores, right? right. So Nordstrom's would chain, train their – they're known for their uh, customer service, that when you're dealing with a customer who's angry, keep asking them what else is bothering them until they calm down. So, you know, I can't believe this didn't come with this part, sir, you know, really sorry. Like, is there anything else that's bothered you about this purchase? Yeah, I paid way too much money for it. Totally understand. Sir, is, is there anything else you're upset about today? Right. My wife. Okay, sir, is there anything <laughs> else? And so what they were trying to train them is you can't solve the problem until they calm down. Right. So talk to them as long as you need to get them back to kind of a calm state, 
now address the problem. Sure. So many times in marriage, we, 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 we would be better employees at Nordstrom's than we are as husbands and wives. Yeah. Like, what if you just try to do that with your spouse? So my spouse is upset, angry, hurt, all that. And like, I respond in kindness to kind of get them back to being calm. Right. So that would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is it is okay to say, would you be all right if we circled back around to this in about 10 or 15 minutes? Can you give me 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Can I have 30 minutes? Um, I have found that this one's really hard for uh, wives. Hmm. Like, but but if a hu- well, ladies, if your husband looks at you and says, I hear you, I can, I can tell you're upset, angry, mad, hurt, frustrated. I genuinely care. I just need a minute. I, I don't want to respond out of anger. I don't want to say something I'm going to regret. You've been thinking about this all day. I kind of feel like it just got sprung on me right. in real time. Right. Do you mind if I take a minute? Um, that was one of the things that marriage counselor told us to give each other permission to do that. Mm. Now you got to circle back around to it, sure, you know? Yeah. It, and, and so I would say just those little tactics and communication when everybody communicates fine when they're not upset, right? Mm. It's when you get upset. Can you do some things when you're upset that keep the conversation from getting worse? Yeah. Th- that's yeah. all. Well, that's really good. Well, I think this has been a, a really good discussion. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. I've, I've loved everything we've talked about. I love the series. I'm looking forward to continuing it. Uh, this Sunday, 9.30 and 11, of yeah. course, online, beginning at 7 a.m. and every hour on the hour. I uh, want to give folks a little preview about what's coming up here at Vaughn Forest. On March 11th, we have a, uh, a night for our, our ladies, our women. Women's and yeah, yeah, women's con- It's just kind of a fun women's night. There's yeah. going to be some great food. And uh, I think, Matt, you're doing some worship for it. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Joya is, Joya and I'll is. be there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> Since it's a ladies' night, I, I don't think that I'll be I think the they've one. got like a panel of women. Yeah. They're going to be yeah. talking about yeah. a lot of different things. You know, and they, um, yeah. Yeah, kind of similar to this, just what's going on. The registration today. for that's gone really well so far. Okay. We got a lot of women who've already registered, and part of the registration process is they can submit some questions or topics they oh, would like to cool. hear discussed that yeah, night. That's that's so, cool. Yeah, that's So, yeah, ladies, it's going to be awesome, awesome event. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. Um, we're we're paying for all the food kind of out of the Bealite, you know, offering. Okay. That was one of the things that we wanted to do is, is make sure we're continu- continuing to kind of help people experience community. Yeah, sure. So, dads, you've got the kids yeah. <laughs> that night. Put it down on your calendar. It's not babysitting if they're your kids. Right. It's called being a dad. <laughs> right. So, uh, you're, you're going to be a dad that here. night. You're going to keep the kiddos. Let mom go. Let yeah. her have a good time with other ladies. It's going to be a lot of fun. What's the date again? So, that's March, March 11th. March that's 11th. a Friday night. Okay. And I believe it's like a 630, 6.30 to 9 or something along those lines. Sounds, I'm not, not 100% right. sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you do want to register for that, uh, any of our social media, vaughnforest.com, if you scroll down, you'll see it there on the events, and you can register for free, which is amazing. And and uh, and I know the ladies that are putting this event on, the food's going to be fantastic. Yeah. So uh, uh, congratulations, Matt. You'll get to be there. Maybe you'll get to eat a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> probably not. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, I'm really looking forward to continuing this series, You know, talking about parenting and post-parenting world this Sunday. Uh, so thanks for listening in on episode number 25, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>